Haymaker Coffee Company was established in 2021 to create the best coffee to fuel the underdogs who perseveres, who hustles, and have the give-it-all mentality to achieve their American dream. Haymaker Coffee only roasts top-quality, specialty-grade coffee beans resulting in brews that satisfies those who demand every drop from their coffee and day. If you work hard, run hard, fight hard, and play hard, we have your coffee right here. And we're back, Stripe Show Podcast, on a Thursday. I'm your host, Travis Fulton. Thank you for making us part of your day. Apologies yesterday, Austin Smotherman was going to join us uh, on a froggy Wednesday. Uh, he's down in Myokoba. A lot of wind, rain, uh, their practice rounds got pushed around a little bit, so we were not able to get uh, Austin on. He will join us, though, next week um, from the Houston Open on the PGA Tour, of course. Next week, also, Eugenia Chakara will be joining us as he is part of LIV. So we've got you covered. We've got a, a PGA Tour player. We've got an LIV player. lot to discuss uh, when it comes to professional golf. So we're excited about that. Been texting with Sean Foley today. Um, he is also at Mayakoba working with four players in the field. He will be coming on next week. We've got Chris Como coming up. Uh, this month, hopefully later on, Bob Herrig with ESPN will join us uh, next Monday as uh, a lot is happening. Uh, PGA Tour, LIV, Patrick Reed now, uh, another lawsuit issued uh, to a number of people uh, regarding defamation. So uh, just, uh, you know, no shortage of stories lines when it comes to professional golf. Now, today's episode brought to you by About Golf Simulators right behind me. We are going to be jumping into the simulator today. It's an instruction Thursday. I've got some things I want to share today that I think um, would be very helpful uh, for so many of you out there. We're going to do a full swing segment with the driver. I want to talk about some things that I'm seeing in my studio here um, with amateurs, online lessons that I'm seeing at address, but also a high handle uh, issue, high handle through impact. What does that mean to have a high handle? You know, we start at a certain height and then we come in and we feel like the handle's elevating, the body's coming up out of it. Why is that happening? I'm seeing that a lot, in particular with the driver. I want to talk about that and the fix to that. So we're going to be talking about the pitch of the shaft. We're going to be talking about swing shape, wrist angles, all of those things that causes the high handle. And I think uh, perhaps the reason that that is happening, maybe what you think in your mind might not be exactly uh, what the fault is. This is a very common thing in a discussion I have with so many really across the country and world on fixing the high handle. So don't miss that. That's going to be the full swing segment. We're going to go into a short game segment. That's going to be the second one. We're going to talk about the, the uh, thin fat combination, right? We get around the green. I can hit it fat and thin. What do we need to look for uh, when it comes to, let's say, improving the probability of impact from a standpoint that we want the club head to hit the ground, but we don't want the leading edge to get caught. We want it to work out of the ground, a bruising divot where we start tightening up uh, that impact placement on how the club is interacting with the ground, getting it on the center of the face. Again, a really important topic that I think you'll enjoy. And then finally, the third will go to putting. I want to talk about a two to one putting ratio. What does that mean as far as how far back and through? 
what that means to your profiles. Are you accelerating? Are you decelerating? Those types of things. Um, you know, this, this is a really important discussion that I've been having as well. These are the three areas that seem to be popping up the most. I felt like today would be appropriate to do a segment on each one of those. We're going to jump in the simulator here momentarily to do that. I apologize. The audio probably sounds just a little bit different right now. My new mixer just arrived. I'm going to be hooking it up. We'll be back full throttle next Monday. I will be wearing my wireless mic here momentarily when we get into the studio. Thank you for bearing with me this week. It's been a good week. Lots of lessons. Numbers continue to grow at the podcast. We appreciate you being here. Before we get into the simulator, I would like to do a Vistar moment today. Vistar Credit Union, one of my terrific partners, uh, along with Glenn Fittich right here next to me about golf behind me, beautiful simulator, PXG, of course, I mean, the Gen 5s are absolutely killing it. And uh, Haymaker Coffee, which I've had plenty of days. You can see I'm jumping around. Love me some Haymaker Coffee. But back to Vistar. The Vistar moment today um, as we honor our hero. Hashtag honor uh, your hero. You can do that on my website. Go to my partner's page. Click on Vistar. Learn more. You will see the link. Go on there and nominate a veteran today your hero. Vistar moment today is Kurt Jones comes from his wife's wife, Robin. So Robin writes, I would like my husband, Kurt, to be honored. He served six years in the U.S. Navy back in the late 70s and 80s. He took on a wife when he was 22 who had three children who he raised completely. The past year has been really hard because our 41-year-old son got covid and we, were and we were told to plan for his funeral. We got a miracle, and he was saved with double lung transplant a year ago, and my husband was his caregiver. Then in January, my husband and I got COVID, and the family was told to plan for my funeral. And we got another miracle, and my husband has been my caregiver for 10 months and has to do so much because I can't do very much due to health issues. He is an angel and deserves to be honored. Thank you, Robin. Your husband is Kurt Jones. Thank you for everything that you've done for our country. Um, you are a true hero. And that is today's Vistar moment. Please go nominate. There's all kinds of prizes going out to these veterans uh, via Vistar Credit Union. One of them, um, lessons with me, whether it's in person or long distance, also PXG club fittings, and many, many more. Super stoked about our Vistar moment every single week. On that note, I would like to get up, go into the simulator. We've got three instruction segments coming your way. We're going to talk full swing, high handle with the driver. We're going to talk short game. If you have a fat, thin combination miss, and we're going to talk putting. What does a two to one ratio mean? How far back and through? What does that mean to the profile, how the putter head's accelerating or not? It's going to be a fun one today. Let's get after it. Glenn Fittich, the world's most awarded single malt scotch whiskey, is expertly crafted and made with extraordinary care. Each single malt is a work of perfection. All right, let's get right into it. The full swing here, going to talk about the high handle at impact. So what does that mean here? If I set up to this tee and my hands start here, 
right? You can see kind of the height of my hands here, butt of the club pointing, you know, around the belt buckle area. I take it back, I come into impact, and then all of a sudden I get the sense that the handle's up here, right? So now it's pointing way up toward my, towards my left armpit. A big plane shift from here up to here. Now there's always gonna be a little bit of that, right? Because of the droop of the shaft. But the high handle, from where it started, excessive high handle is something that I see a lot. Again, starts here, and then we really come up here. When you see that high handle, of course, you feel your body standing up. You feel like you really can't get through it. You can't rotate because you're standing up. And it really makes the club face point way out to the right. You can hit a lot of big blocks with the high handle. Now, in addition to that, you can really clank it on the toe. You wear out the toe of the club and you get these low left shots in particularly with the driver. So what causes that? The biggest thing that's gonna cause that high handle is getting the shaft to steepen in transition, right? So when we look at it up here, we see the shaft when we start down, it wants to kind of steepen in transition this way. Now we're talking about shaft pitch. Don't worry about how much it's around me or up and down, just, just the shaft pitch. And if you look at the shaft here, right, let's just say it's 45. If I start down and this shaft goes closer to 90, it's steepening, okay? Now if I go here and it goes closer to horizontal, it's shallowing out. Right, So this shaft pitch, whether it's steepening or it's shelling out in transition, has a lot to do with how this handle is going to arrive. Now, there is a concept that I think is difficult for a lot of people to understand, which is steep or steepening in transition and from the inside. Steep and from the inside. All right, look at that. You can see how my arm's kind of back in here. Things are kind of back in here behind me. All right, we know what steep and over the top looks like. And we oftentimes, well, those two are always together, steep and over the top. But we don't look at steep and from the inside. And I see it a fair amount. In fact, I had two situations this morning in the studio. Right, so the shaft's gonna steepen, it's kind of from the inside, we come into impact, and then what happens, this shaft has to kick out late and we stand the handle up and we clank it on the toe. The first place I want you to look, if you're someone who gets steep in transition, okay, is where the shaft is at the top of the swing. I do see a fair amount of this steep and from the inside as far as a pattern. Check this out. This is these two that I saw this morning and I've had two of these online um, in the last week. So the pattern, the club head kind of dips inside. It dips inside low and then we hinge it up and the club points way over there and you see the arms very narrow and long to the top of the swing. So from face on, we, we kind of dip it inside and then it gets pointing to the right like this. And we're kind of in here, things are collapsed, the club looks very long. And with it going inside and across the line, then we start down and we kind of pull down on it and we get this look right here. Okay, I'm exaggerating a little bit, but you can see that shaft towards vertical and kind of back in here behind me. 
And then again from there, we just stand it up because we have to, we have to stand it up. You can't just take this and turn and hit it. I mean, you wouldn't hit it anywhere. You might just completely whiff it. So that raise of the handle is a result of what's happening there in transition. So that's a common thing I see with the driver, a ton. I see that a ton in, wrapped around in here, narrow, across the line, and then we pull down and that shaft just goes boom, right there. So what I want you to feel is I want you to feel some width out in front of you, okay? The club head is out in front of you and your arms are structured out in front. Keep your arms pretty straight where this feels like it's a bit wider out in front rather than just dipping in here so narrow. You don't take the club head back low. I don't like that. Low and slow. Stop that. Don't do that. Get the club head out in front of you with some width. Yeah, it's out there. I'd rather have it out there too much than in here. Okay, so it's out in front, and then from there, my hands kind of climb up to my shoulder, shoulder height, and the shaft is gonna be pitched back a little bit more. So you can see how that shaft is kind of pointing a bit more to the left. Okay, so I like that much better. So it's got some width. Then we start making that nice turn, the hands climb up to shoulder height, and the shaft is now kind of pitched back. You'll feel your right elbow wanting to kind of pinch a little bit more of your left. You'll feel these a little closer together and you'll feel your right wrist wanting to bend back a little bit more. And you'll feel the back of your left hand wanting to be maybe a bit more flat. Okay, so I like that structure versus one that's in and then pointing way over there and very narrow, right? In and narrow rather than wide out in front of you and then getting that structured better to the top of the swing. Now, with the shaft more here in transition, now it wants to kind of lay back there more. I wouldn't pull down on it. I wouldn't pull down on it. I just leave it alone and just leave that pitch of the club head back there. And now you'll feel like you can just turn and really let this thing release back around to the other side. And you won't feel the temptation that you have to stand up. Right? You won't feel the temptation that you have to stand up and elevate the handle. You might in the first few swings, but after a while, you won't. So as you practice this, work on it in two steps. One, some width out in front of you. Two, let yourself turn, let the hands climb up to the shoulder. Let the elbows pinch, let the shaft point back. Right wrist bent, left wrist flat. There it is. Wonderful position to now just leave it alone, let it fall back in here, and then just turn and let it whip around the corner to the other side, and you will see that impact point move from the toe back to the center of the face. That toe shot is annoying, and particularly with the driver. And what I just showed you right there is a big, big piece of the puzzle and one that I think can help a lot of you. If you're watching this, email me if you have questions, Travis at TravisFultonGolf.com. You can go to my website, TravisFultonGolf.com. Great program is Total Driving, where we talk about building a really efficient driver swing, power and accuracy. And one of the things that we talk about there before we move to short game is the setup. And as we look at the setup, couple things that I'm seeing in lessons.
is I'm seeing with the setup with the driver, I'm seeing this hip, these hips kind of sink a little bit over to the right. Okay, I'm a fan where you have some side bend, but the pelvis feels like it's just a bit more maybe to your left. So the spine to the right, hips to the left, and now you're set up behind it, and that's a good thing when you hit it, because you want your hips are gonna be a little more over here and your spine's gonna be a little more over here. Okay, so don't get in there and get behind it and then let your hips kind of sink over here. Give yourself a little tilt, bump the hip, now you're over here, now you can be there at impact. You blend that in with some width, you blend that in with some, this up here, and we're good to go. Last thing I was gonna say is this, I forgot to mention this. As I go down this path, it's interesting in teaching patterns, what you learn, the perception of people and, how, and, and some of the pitfalls that come in. When you tell someone to pitch the shaft back a little bit more back here like this, point it more left, one of the things that happens is they start taking the lead arm and they start kind of wrapping her around them really low. And they're like, well, yeah, if I just do this, I can, no, get your hands up here. You know, get your hands kind of up shoulder height, just above your shoulders, and then pitch it back. That's a better combination than trying to get so rounded out like that. All right, so that's the driver. Now let's go to the short game. Good stuff, good stuff. Thank you for being here, Stripe Show Podcast. Tell your friends, we've got a great lineup coming up here uh, this month. Lots of great teachers, Sean Foley, Chris Coma, and others. You're gonna be seeing some really cool stuff on some instruction things uh, in addition to all of the other crazy things that are happening in professional golf. Short game, fat, thin combination. I get in there. I hit a fat, all right, let's try one here. I'll get in here, and I get in there and hit it fat. You know, where like that leading edge gets caught in the ground, and it's like, man, that doesn't feel, that doesn't feel good. So we get that, that leading edge caught, so what do we do? We start trying to, you know, kind of flip it, so we hit it thin, and it's like, wait a minute, I hit one fat, and then I hit the next one thin, so I don't know where I'm at. I get kind of caught in between. Sometimes you need the leading edge, right? Sometimes you do need the leading edge in there to get down in there, either in the rough or maybe off a different type of lie. But most of the time when we're around the greens, decent lie in the fairway, like we want to use the bounce a little bit. We want to create an environment where the club head can hit the ground, but then it kind of shallows out, right? It's kind of, it's more of a, of a bump, all right? So it kind of hits it, yeah, and, then it, and then it gets out of the ground, right? That would have been more of a bruising divot where the leading edge really wasn't too much part of um, the scenario there. So when you get that fat, thin combination, what you normally see is you see that ball position kind of back in the stance, the weight left, and you really see things kind of get pressed out ahead of it. You know, the sternum gets out there, the shaft gets way out there. You know, we're just trying to trap it. We're trying to get that club head up, down, right on top of the ball. Now again, sometimes that might be beneficial, but just in general, that point of entry and that room for air is very, very tight. So if I happen to drop it a little soon and I stick it in the ground, the ball goes like two feet and you're like, looking around like anybody see it? And then you're like, okay, I don't wanna do that anymore. So what do you do? You start 
you start folding your wrists and your arms, right? Because you don't, you're anticipating that leading edge getting cut, and then you hit it right in the forehead or the equator, and the ball goes about 25 yards over the green, and that's embarrassing. So that fat-thin combination comes really from the same type of setup, ball, bat, everything's really pressing out in front, leading edge gets on the ground. We start fearing that fat shot. We start fearing that leading edge, so we start helping. What I like is to be conservative with the shaft lane. We want a little. I like to move the ball more middle or slightly forward. The shoulders to be pretty level and the weight to be just slightly left. All these are kind of slightly, okay? More neutral, conservative type of setup versus, you know, this excessive ball back weight forward, okay? So you get in there, face square, maybe slightly open, shaft slightly forward, ball in the middle or just slightly forward, weight left, slightly, shoulders pretty level. Now from here, if I let that club head fall into the ground, I don't think that leading edge is gonna hit the ground, right? Unless I really move the handle, push the handle forward and get that shaft forward more excessive into impact, okay? So if, I, if I'm more conservative here with the shaft at address, ball position, weight, shoulders, now that club head, it's gonna hit the ground, but it's not gonna dig, it's gonna bruise. And when I get that leading edge off the ground, it's like, oh, whew, you, know, you start to free up a little bit because you're not anticipating that leading edge getting caught in the ground. So it's more of that bruise. And now when it bruises, now my hands and arms feel like they can be a little bit more passive and now I can just turn my chest and hit it. So I like this little conservative neutral setup. Shaft slightly forward, ball position slightly forward, weight slightly forward, shoulders level. I point out shoulders level because oftentimes when you do get this player who's like this, they start leaning the spine back to the right even to help shallow out the divot. So oftentimes with excessive shaft lean, you see side bend to the right to compensate to some degree that forward shaft lean, leading edge on the ground, divot, or leading edge divot, those kinds of things. So don't be afraid to be level with the shoulders and even maybe just slightly open. So oftentimes I'll even get players to kind of feel like, okay, I'm level, but slightly open. Level, but slightly open with that setup. Yeah, and that just right on top of the ball. Right on top of the ball and then got out of there. Level to slightly open helps move the low point a bit more ahead of the ball. Okay, that helps get the bottom to be just a bit more ahead of the ball. To the right and close is probably gonna move you back here more. And I like level to slightly open with the shaft more neutral, okay? And the weight more neutral. Like that's a really clean setup, really clean. So 56 degrees get in there, hit some chip shots where maybe the wrists are a bit more passive doing that, and then hit some where you feel like you give the left wrist a little play, a little wrist hinge, and do that with that setup. And I think you'll find that the divot 
or excuse me, that the point of entry into the ground is tighter and the divot's more of a bruise versus a dig. And when you get the leading edge off the ground, now all of a sudden you feel like you can just turn with your chest and hit it. Okay, so that's a few thoughts on the fat, thin combination. Let's go to putting. Now, one of the things I think that's more apparent in putting is you're seeing it feels like better representation and discussion around how far the backstroke goes to the forward stroke. You're seeing a lot of players who take it back longer than they bring it through, okay? So it's, it's longer back, shorter through. Let's just say I took that back 12 inches and then I brought it through, say, six inches. That's not a perfect scenario, but you get the idea that would be a two to one ratio. Now, the other side of that would be if I took it back six inches and through 12. Okay, so it's shorter back, longer through. Now you still see some of that too, and then you see kind of everything in the middle. You're gonna see a little bit of everything, right? But what, what makes perhaps more sense, taking it shorter back and longer through, or taking it a little longer back and shorter through? I like a little longer back and shorter through. When it's longer back and shorter through, what happens is it's gonna force you to load the speed in more in the backswing. Okay, you've gotta get the backswing to be a bit more brisk, and then from there, as you load that speed in, then you feel like the putter head can kinda of glide and fall through impact to that shorter finish. When you go shorter back, then you feel like you've gotta give it the acceleration and hit the gas quicker coming through. Now again, that can be beneficial and you can hit it straight and do all those things. Lydia Ko is a great example. She takes it back kind of shorter through and shorter back and longer through. Jordan Spieth, longer back, shorter through. Can work on both sides. I like longer back, shorter through for, more, for most. I see a lot of this. I see a lot of just kind of, you know, guiding it back slow, deliberate, and then a finish that's long, the acceleration, pro there's a lot of acceleration to it. It's going from zero to 70 to say an analogy in a car, like I'm just hitting the gas, zero to 70. And when you hit the gas zero to 70, man, you're holding on and it's like, I'm not sure there's much, you know, tight in the whole thing. Okay, zero to 70 acceleration profile, a little harder to manage it can be for, for most, okay. Oftentimes I see that the putter head gets really long through, the putter head wants to swing up more, so we start catching it more on the bottom of the face. So these are things that I see. Now, as I take it back longer with more speed, now the putter head can drop and it can be that little shorter finish. And with that shorter finish, we tend to hit it more in the center of the face with the speed loaded in going back and just cruising coming through. Now we're just kind of on cruise control, right? So now we're like, we're just going 70. It's on cruise control. And on cruise control, what are you doing? You're just, right? You're just, what's up? You're just gliding, subconscious, let it go. So two to one tends to help most people because of that. Now it's gonna incrementally get bigger as you get into the longer putts,
But I kind of challenge you, if you're someone who watches this, you struggle putting, um, you, you struggle maybe hitting it low in the face, not in the center of the face as much, the ball doesn't come off with a true roll, you feel like you're just kind of guessing, you know, wishing almost like, you know, you see a, like a lot of that stuff. There's no firm end point to it. Good putters, I see a bit of an ending, right? It's like the putter head just, then they look, then they look. What's really cool about this simulator is you can putt. I mean, this, this, this about golf simulator, the putting on this is ridiculous. Now I'm on the range, but watch this. And it's gonna pick it up. I mean, you hit it 10 feet, it goes 10 feet. So it's really cool. And you can practice your putting on this um, in putting to holes. You know, there's miniature golf on this. And when you play the golf course as well, it's, uh, it's super cool. So two to one. At home, perhaps this is a winter project for some of you. You get in there and you're like, yeah, I'm just going to kind of pick up the pace a little bit going back. Maybe stretch this out a little bit more. Let the putter head drop to that shorter finish. As I'm doing that, I'm just giving my shoulders. Yeah, there's a little bit of a shoulder kind of piston-like action there. My weight's left, staying there, my head's steady. I think you'll find it more in the center of the face. I think you'll roll it better. I think you'll get better feedback as far as how the, the pace of the putter head's more consistent, and all of those things are good. All right, driver, full swing driver, or uh, full swing with the driver, short game with the sandwich, some putting with the putter. Good session here today. If you got any questions, Send it to me in my email, Travis at TravisFultonGolf.com, Travis at TravisFultonGolf.com. Go to my website, TravisFultonGolf.com. All, all my trading programs are there. I'll be adding two more here in the next three weeks. Getting closer to the holiday, always a great gift. Are my training programs or my online lessons where you film yourself from face on or target line. Full analysis and game plan, or you can just come see me here in the new studio here in Ponte Vedra. Thanks for being here. Stripe Show Podcast back on Monday with Bob Herrig, ESPN. Don't miss it. Lots to discuss. Patrick Reed, boy. PXG has done it again with the launch of a new lineup of drivers, fairways, hybrids, and irons. The new Gen 5 golf clubs deliver significantly increased MOI, faster ball speeds, longer distances, and tighter dispersions, all coupled what the exceptional feel and sound golfers have come to expect from PXG. Schedule your custom fitting or buy online at pxg.com.